Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. What is your policy on career advancement and career development? Do you have budgets that individuals and executives can access to go to conferences, to upskill, to work with coaches, to, you know, what is the policy and all that? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Last week, Rashawn Blumberg shared his concept of hiring 10x talent. Today, we're going to look at how you can manage and retain that talent, or if that talent is you, how to make sure you're getting the most from the companies that hire you. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Is it possible for a a low EQ manager to retain a high EQ employee? Yes, <laughs> I, like I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's an uh, an optimal situation to have a low EQ manager. But I think one of the keys, especially with high performers. One of the keys to managing them successfully is giving them a wide berth to do what they do best. Mm. Uh, Essentially, even if you have low EQ, if you provide them the tools to succeed and sort of stay out of their way, you can be successful there. Uh, I can also see how that could go off the rails as well. I mean, low EQ at any position is going to be a challenge. So mm-hmm. in order for you to be a 10Xer and in order for an organization to, to be 10X themselves, that EQ has to be baked into the system. That doesn't mean there aren't edge cases where you know people can yeah. succeed without it, but I that is definitely suboptimal. So is that a challenge you run into where you have a company that wants to hire you and you get very quickly that they're, they want talent that they haven't exactly earned through their own management culture? And what do you do with that? Yeah, I, I would say the thing that we see most often, and this takes me back to a Steve Jobs quote, which is... You I was know, just we don't watching hire... a documentary about him last night. Go ahead. So this may have even been in it. He is uh, purported to have said, we don't hire the best and brightest to tell them what to do. We hire the best and brightest so they can tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Companies that want to take art, you know, 10X or talent, and basically just micromanage the crap out of them... It never works mm-hmm. because these people are, you know, are they the best of the best? Are they total unicorns? No, but they're really, really, really phenomenal at what they do. Some of them are unicorns. And what we're trying to provide companies with is access to mindshare that they don't, they can't get otherwise, either because they aren't able to hire them on the W2 marketplace or they just haven't been able to find somebody with the skill set. So when you, when you, get with somebody like that, again, you want to try and find out what they need in order to be successful. 
and to support them with that. But for the most part, give them the birth to do what they do, which is problem solve. And more often than not, where we have issues is is because there's some sort of micromanagement and or a misalignment of expectations and communication. But very often what we see is micromanagement. So that's, you know, those are kind of the use cases that led us to write the book because we were seeing there are plenty of companies that have really modernized either because they were sort of digital natives, for lack of a better phrase, they came up with technology baked into their ecosystem or they're, you know, sort of newer to it. I'll give like Domino's as an example. You know, Domino's Mm -hmm. is, is, they're a technology company, period in a story. Like more of their sales come through their e-commerce platform than come through stores. Really? Uh, More? Wow. More. I think it's up to almost 75% now. Wow. So, you know, that's a company that if they didn't adopt or adapt to what happens in the technological world, if they just stayed with sort of an old world management philosophy based around human sort of uh, cogs in the machine, they would quickly find themselves at a competitive disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that the reason we wrote the book is because we, we've had so many experiences with companies that are really well suited to work with the kind of talent that we represent and W2 talent in the same tech ecosystem and plenty that are not. So we come across it quite often and uh, it's a challenge. Like we, we try to do what little we can, but if the culture is the culture, there's not much that we can do. Hmm. So do you turn down clients who don't have the kind of cultures that can attract and retain the kind of talent that you interact with? So ultimately, you know, we represent these freelancers. Um, so we'll present them our opinions. And, and they're, oftentimes we'll have red flags in the mm-hmm. process of starting an engagement. And we might say to them, like, we're not sure we should move forward on this. These are the reasons why I can't say for sure that this is going to present in a way that'll make this project insufferable. But we've seen this before and that's our, our, our input. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, the clients will, will agree with us. But occasionally the clients say, I, I hear you, I get it, but I've dealt with difficult clients before I'm willing to, or customers before I'm willing yeah. to, to try this. And you know, sometimes they work out okay and sometimes they don't. So we certainly, when we have an awareness of it, we definitely point it out and, and try and steer our clients away from working with companies like that. When they come up mid-flow or mid-engagement, we've had clients come to us and say, hey, I got to get off this. This is terrible. And they, we try to elegantly unwind them. And on a rare occasions, things can get acrimonious and, and you know, we sort of have to deal with that and mediate a, a situation. Mm-hmm. But you know, we try our best to set the table. And part of setting the table is negotiating a good contract that's clear and, and the expectations are set out properly. But technology, much like art, let's say, is unique almost every single time you're doing it, right? There are no two builds that are identical. Even if you're building an app, you know, two separate apps, but they're both apps, they could be completely different with different protocols and needs. So every engagement is a little bit of a unique situation. Uh, I want to go back to the hiring question. I was, I, I, I'm sort of laughing at myself because I asked you the kind of question that my clients often ask me, like getting out, like, well, what's the formula? You know, how do you hire good people? And you and I both know it doesn't work that way. Uh, there's no magic question. It's more in the listening right. than in the questioning. So why do you think people are so bad at hiring? 
because you're an expert in hiring. So why are most people not anywhere near that? Well, you know, for starters, I think that that's a most people is pretty broad. But what I will say is there, <laughs> like that's, there, my, that's my experience. But okay, it's, it's that's and I mean, like you know, a smaller startup or a startup even pre Series A, let's say, is a much more nimble and flexible and less structured organization than say working with Disney, right? Yeah, sure. So, so their onboarding process, their procurement process, massively laborious time consuming, you know, it, it's it's going to be many layers of interviews. And, and so the process is very calcified. Mm. The calcified companies, in my opinion, are putting up way too many roadblocks to success in hiring. Obviously, a Disney, a Facebook, a Google, Amazon, whatever, they can afford to pay for the best. So often they get the best that way. But, you know, more and more, I think what we're going to be seeing as we shift further and further down the talent economy, meaning that a lot of autom- automation is going to hap- continue to happen. Yeah. And people with specific skills are going to be required for certain jobs. There's going to be a shift, and we're already seeing it quite heavily in, in just technology in general, to the individual having a little more power because they have so many different choices about where they can go. Uh-huh. And again, that's that's really what we're talking about in the book is if you're not changing those calcified processes, you're going to lose out on the best and brightest, even if you can pay more, mm-hmm. because it's just going to be too much of a pain in the neck to do it. So, you know, I think that that's part of the reason why people don't hire well. Another part of the reason is that, uh, and we talked about this very, or I alluded to at least at the very beginning of the conversation, companies really don't ask the right questions. A lot of it is about like, what's your competence? Like, what do you need financially to make yeah. this work? We created a tool called uh, the Lifestyle Calculator, which is meant for the talent to figure out what is most important to them in a compensation package. But it's 24 different items. They have 100 points to weight everything against each other so things can be relative. Like salary, if you apply 50% to salary or 50 you know, points to salary, it means you have 50 points to put towards those other 23 items. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we find in no two Lifestyle Calculator answers are the same, is salary tends to be the larger item, but it's not as dominant as you would think. There mm-hmm. are things like, you know, paid time off, career advancement, flexibility. Um, flexibility. I mean, COVID kind of changed all that, but like, yeah, remote, like working from home, the flexibility to work when we want, where we want, title in office, in, in a pool as opposed to in an office. Is mentoring on that list being mentored and career development? Well, career, career development definitely is. Personal development is in there. Okay. And the question is really, if that is important to an individual, then the question to the company becomes, what is your policy on career advancement and career development? Do you have budgets that individuals and executives can access to go to conferences, to upskill, to work with coaches, to, you know, what is the policy and all that? What I do you think see that if, with those numbers, the personal development numbers, where do they tend to show up? You know, most of the people that we work with and, and we, so we have 10X Management, which works with tech freelancers. We have a, a sister company called 10X Ascend, where we represent the same kind of talent, but only in negotiating their W-2 full-time compensation packages. Mm-hmm. So that audience is a little bit pre-selected already. So they want that career development, personal development. They want to 
both better themselves personally and professionally. So typically that's something that is ranked, right? There are 24 things. So not everything gets ranked, but that's something that typically does get ranked because it's most often important to people and they want to understand, you know, if I come to your company, what's your position on that? And sometimes the companies say like, we don't really do that, although we support it, you know, and if you need, if you want to take time off to go to a conference, that's fine. When you we don't pay for it. What does that mean? Top five, top 10? Uh, no, I mean like they, they apply some of those hundred points to... Oh, you don't uh, have to give any points. Yeah, right. You don't have to... You can, you can, yeah, you can say, you know, what's one... Uh, one of them has to do with like aqua hire. That's something obviously nuanced for only certain types of people. So aqua hire, we don't see a lot of aqua hire points because it's... What's aqua hire? Aqua hire is essentially if you have a company, um, let's say you build uh, an AI widget that does something. Mm-hmm. If another company is looking to find AI specialists, they may acquire your company, not for the IP, but strictly to have you Ah. as the talent. Mm. So acquiring, hiring by acquiring is aqua hire. You know, so this lifestyle calculator, we feel is a tool that all companies should use during the interview process to understand a little bit more about what's important to this person. We give the example in the book of you know somebody who's 28 and has no kids has a different set of things that are important to them than somebody who's 35 and may have two kids. Yeah, sure. You know, for the person who's 35 and has two kids, maybe being able to work completely flexibly, like I'm going to leave early on Fridays and Tuesdays to pick my kids up from school, that might be worth an extra 25, 30, or 50 thousand dollars in compensation. So if companies understand a little bit more about somebody based on this sort of basic lifestyle calculator framework, you know, they'll be able to make better and more customized offers to individuals. But big companies are not so great at that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I understand it. They're often hiring large swaths of people and they have these bands of, you know, you're an E6, not an E7, but it's not great. So you're helping larger companies create a more personal touch. Uh, we think all companies should have uh-huh. a personal touch, but but we see it more frequently in mid-cap and large-cap companies where they have these procurement processes that are just very antiquated and mm. super challenging and, and one-dimensional. I want to go back to the, the mentoring thing. Do you see over time a rise in that indicator that, or that uh, uh, metric that people want more mentoring, more of their own development or... Not. No, I mean we've we've it's pretty consistent. Again, it's it's a bit of a self-selected audience. So I think yeah. that the millennials and Gen Zs broadly care about that stuff. Yes. But technologists, even older ones, already mimicked that behavior or those interests. They had those same interests already. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's something more broadly accepted and, and interesting to millennials than it is, you know, somebody I'm in my early 50s, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. I don't think they think so much about coaching. I do think that coaching and mentorship, and we, we do talk about this in the book pretty extensively, we call it uh, skin in the game. People who have skin in the game and care about you professionally and personally are vital to have in your life for career development. You know, many different types of people can play that role. It doesn't have to be a manager at the company. It doesn't have to be an external coach. You know, so many different people in your life can play that role. We think it's incredibly important. We have like a strategy coach that we work with who we interview in the book. And, you know, we think it's incredibly valuable for us, even though, you know, we think of ourselves as as experienced business 
people and executives. And our coach has a coach. So, you know, it's, it's, we, we think the, the, there should be a large emphasis on that within companies and individuals. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.